Does this sound familiar to anybody? When I become 21 years old, I'm going to do such and such. And when I'm 25, I'm going to go there and do that. And when I'm 30, I'm going to have this and that. When I'm 35, I'll be overdoing it. And when I'm 40, but does that sound familiar to anybody? And usually when we say that, included in something like getting a school degree and going to a certain college, maybe finding a relationship, and then eventually getting a job, and maybe getting married, and maybe having kids. Like most of us, at some point. And this happens, right? At some point along the way, our lives get redirected and altered. By what I'll call life interruptions. Some of them come because of choices we make. Let's just be really honest, yeah? Some of them because of choices we make. Some of them come because of choices that other people make that impact us. Okay? And by the way, it's good to nod kind of if you're tracking and following along. Then there's, listen, and then there's some altering and interruptions that come because we live in a fallen, broken world. See, I don't know why we as Christians kind of sometimes fall into this very naive, everything ought to work out well mode. See, we celebrate Easter where we remember that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. He defeated Satan, sin, and death and ushered in the kingdom of God, restoration and renewal of all creation. But we live now in what theologians call the already but not yet reality. It's in between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. We live on Saturday. Do you realize that? We're living, on, we're living on Saturday. This is Saturday, which means we experience aspects of restoration, renewal, and redemptive work of God. But man, into our lives will come flooding. Death, illness, betrayal, divorce, sickness, getting fired. And then, yeah, there are times, I got news, where God just flat out intervenes and completely interrupts what we're doing. The thing is, you know, I've been studying the Bible for a long time. The thing I notice is, rarely has it been someone that God used powerfully, that did an amazing work of God, whose lives weren't interrupted at some point. You notice that? Can I just go down the list for you? Noah? Noah? Why do you remember Noah? Son is named Noah. Why do you remember? Why did we name him Noah? We know him as a man of faith and obedience and righteousness. Noah was an absolute unknown dude. And God shows up one day in his life and says, I need you to build me a big floating object. Why? Don't worry about it. I need you to build it. And he obeys in the midst of uncertainty and unknown. And we know him today as a man in great faith and obedience. Uh, Abraham, minding an old business, going about in the city of Ur. God also says, I need you to leave. Leave where? Your home, your country, your people, to a land I'll show you. Do I get a GPS? No, you don't get a GPS. I'm your GPS. You just follow. Sarah, Sarah, Abraham's wife, she's 90, 90 years old. 90 years old, God goes, you're going to become a mom. 90? Life radically altered. 
A couple more examples. Uh, Jesus' disciples going about the business, fishing. Jesus comes and says, come follow me. Drop everything. And their lives are radically altered. Most of them will die for following Jesus and giving their faith. And then, of course, one more example. Two examples. Mary. Do you remember Mary? She's about 12 years old. And God says, and she's making wedding arrangements, by the way. And God goes, you're going to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have a child. Then the guy that we're going to spend the next four or five Sundays looking at, Joseph. 17 years old he is. When his brothers betray him, beat him, put him in a ditch. Graciously sell him into slavery. And at 17, he begins a 40-year journey of life interruptions. What's your story? What's your story? See, this is very personal for me because I know some stories in here. The, the minor ones we could, all, we could all relate to. Traffic jam, going to work. Right? Chicken pox. What chicken pox? Some of us, that meat that we have prepared for dinner, right? Not it's spoiled, so you got to make other dinner plans. And I could go on. And then there are more tragic ones. It's a couple that was looking forward to their first child. They get pregnant, but a few weeks later, they have a miscarriage. It's that guy, and these are all real stories, by the way, who shows up to work one day and is told by his boss, you have two weeks. Our company is downsizing. We're taking our business to Brazil. It's that woman in our church who finds out father has pancreatic cancer, and within a month, he's dead. It's that 25-year-old single who built two years relationship with the best friend, and the best friend decides to move out of nowhere. Uh, it's that girl who's been dating a guy for three, four years and the guy decides to call it quits without any reason. And it's the guy who goes in for a checkup. It's told by the doctor, there's something not right. I need more tests. And it's told that he might have cancer. Interruptions. Confusing. Hard. Painful, difficult. Can anybody relate? And by the way, by the way, this is one of those sermon series where for some of you, it's like, it'll, it'll, it'll be hard to keep your emotions in check. And then others of you are like, I don't know. It's one of those things you might need to file away because at some point you're going to need to go, I remember that. When we go through life interruptions, we know this about God. We know that life interruptions aren't punitive. They're not random. They're not pointless or meaningless. And we also know that while life interruptions come, although they're unexpected to us, they're not unexpected to God. and Don't catch him off guard. But that doesn't make it easier to handle, does it? No, it doesn't. So when life interruptions come, most of us, this, by the way, is a long introduction to the book of Genesis, what we're going to look at. When life interruptions come, interruptions come, we ask two, and I'll say in quotes, wrong questions. Let me ask you. Let's play this game together. When life interruptions come, what questions do you and I ask? Why is this happening to me? 
Can anybody relate? Yes? Yes? Okay. There's another question we ask, which is what? When life and just come. <laughs> See? Man. When is it going to stop? How do I get it to stop? Right? Now, you might be that super spiritual person in here right now going, I'll ask those questions. I just go, may you be glorified. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. If that's you, we thank God for you, okay? You could go Starbucks, get some coffee, and chill out. But for the rest of us, humanity, when life interruptions come, we first go, why is this happening to me? I'm 47 years old. Do you know how often I ask that question? Why? And, and if, if, if I'm really honest, in most honest, mo- honest moments, I feel silly because I go, why is this happening to me? And emphasis on me, not just why. Me, as if I'm the only person on planet Earth that is actually going through this life interruption. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Why is it happening? And then secondly, if it's prolonged, when is it going to stop? How do I manage this to be as small interruption as possible? When is it going to stop? Why? When? And not only do we ask wrong questions, but we have wrong responses. So I'll talk about me. When life and others come, first, I blame God. And I accuse him of being uncaring. You ever do that? Where are you, God? Do you care? Do you love me? Why is this happening to me? Sometimes I blame the devil. I go, get behind me, devil. Like if it's the devil, it might be the devil or actually might be you. But we go... And some of us, any stubborn, strong-willed people in here? Yeah, yeah. We go, I ain't going to let this happen. I'm going to take control. That door closed, I'm going to kick it down. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? I, this, this thing, interruption, ah, I will, I will, ma- I will manage it. I'll give you an example. You're dating somebody, they break up with you, and you decide, I don't care what God might be doing in this. I know what I want to do. So you jump right back into another relationship. Forget about what God might want. And some of us, we throw away our character and we compromise our convictions. Please listen. We throw away our character and compromise our convictions. When you're going through a life interruption, please hear me. This is me. When you're going to life interruption, you are more temptable than you are at any other time. See, I don't know what it is, but there's something about us that says, I've been screwed, I've been, I've been wronged, and so I'm going to do wrong. And so we just throw away our character, we throw away our convictions, and we go, I don't care. I'm just going to do what I need to do. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And if that's you, can you please listen? Please don't throw away your character. Please don't compromise your convictions because you're just mad. Because all that's going to do is you're going to come back at some point with scars. That's what sin does every single time. Then lastly, some of us turn to escapist behavior. It's like, let's say, physically going anywhere. But it's sort of symbolic of pulling the bed sheets over our head and going, I, I don't care. And some of us turn to escapist behaviors like we, alcohol, meaningless sex, or relationship, or pornography, or gambling, or Facebook. Can I just ask, has anybody in the 
recent time, last couple of years, gone through a life interruption? Say yes. If it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've been a pastor all of these years, and I, I've asked, like, why do we struggle with this so much? And I, I think of two reasons why I think most of us really, really struggle with this and don't handle it well. First is, I think we buy into a myth when we become a Christian. And the myth goes something like this. You ready? The myth goes something along the lines of, when I become a Christian, my life will get better. And let me define what better means. Better means my life is going to go on as I planned, except now have God with me. My life is going to go on as planned. I got Jesus by my side. Isn't that great? Jesus, come along for the ride. Isn't that awesome? Jesus, come along for the ride. And my life is going to get better. Hello, anybody. Do you see anywhere in Scripture where Jesus said that? Do you see anywhere in Scripture where Jesus says, Come follow me and you could have your best life right now. Come follow me and I will help you achieve your agenda. I've got, I've got news for you. Christian life in its very essence is disruptive. Because when we become a Christian, we are inviting the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to come and not help us with our agenda, but reprioritize our agenda so that he becomes king. Can I get an amen? So if you are a Christian, I say this all the time, you will have an experience where you feel like the wind is knocked out of you. Because for most of us, when we become a Christian, we think, I'm going along, and I just, Jesus, he comes for the ride. And we say, Jesus, come help me my agenda. Come help me be the better person I can be. And Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. When I come into your life, it no longer becomes about your one man, one woman kingdom, that small, tiny life. It becomes about following my agenda, my priorities, and my kingdom. And so we buy into this myth. I'm serious. That's why for many of us, you never consult God when you need to make a major decision. That is astounding to me. How do you not consult God? I'll tell you exactly how. My life is going as planned. You come along for the ride. And so when life interruptions come, it's like, what? Just happened. Maybe somebody's like, well, I don't want to be a Christian then. Really? You want to be the one to hold it all together. You want to be able to manage everything. You want to be the one that keeps everything on track. You want to be your own little king in your own little kingdom. Is that the Christian life you want or do you want to go, Jesus, you are so compelling. I don't care where, when, and how. I want to follow you. Lead me. I want to follow you. Lead me. See, how could I trust him? Issue? You could trust him because of the cross. You and I could trust him because of what he did for me, because of what he bled for me, because of what he gave for me. And trusting God means that at the end of the day, and I'm going to say this if it resonates with you, trusting God means at the end of the day that no amount of interruptions can disrupt what God has purposed for your life. Trusting God means cancer can't interrupt what God purposed for your life. You being fired can't. Some girl or girl telling you, a guy telling you that you're done in the relationship can't. Nothing can interrupt and disrupt God's purpose and plan for your life. Can I get an amen? How do you trust him? Because of the cross. 
A second reason why we struggle with this is because of value. Wrong perception of value. I'll explain what I mean by that. The word interruption for us in America conjures up positive things. Not so much, says Darius. No, interruption has all kinds of negative connotations. And the reason is because of this. We deem the person, think with me now, or the circumstances that's forcing itself on us to be of less value and interest than we're currently doing. Interruptions are negative because we deem the person or the thing that's forcing itself on us to be of less value than what we're currently Let me give you an example. You're about to sit down for a great dinner or to go to a gym, work out, and you get a phone call. If it's a telemarketer saying, why would you not want to add 2,000 more channels to your cable package? You want to yell and scream and go, what? But what if, and this really happened, it's a phone call from somebody in our church telling you, we've been praying and we feel that to give you $2,000 for a need you may or may not have. Same call, same time, very different feeling. It's an issue of value. Can I put it up this way? And you need to remember this. Insignificant person plus insignificant task. Interruption! But what if? Are you following, Jack? But what if? What if... What you and I, what if what's beckoning us away from what we're doing is more compelling than what is keeping you from? What if what's beckoning us away from what we're currently doing is more compelling than what is keeping us from? And you don't argue with it. You don't even begrudgingly accept it with reluctance. You choose it. He don't want to miss where it might lead. Now think with me, because this is basic Christianity. If you and I really believe that we follow a heavenly father who is in control of even the minutest details of our lives, church, 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 if you and I really believe that this heavenly father who in his love desires what is best for us, And who in his wisdom knows what is best for us. And who in his sovereignty has the power to bring about good in any and every situation. Would we not have a different perspective? If we really and truly believe that this God, our heavenly Father is the one who is beckoning us away from what we're currently doing. Would we not? Let me put it this way. Significant person and significant cast. Divine intervention. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling, you're telling me that evil, that sin that was unto me, is divine intervention? Let me be very clear right now. God is never the author of evil. Ever. Ever. My God does not cause evil. Ever. 
ever. Evil belongs to the evildoer, and God will judge evil someday. And if you want to know how much God hates evil, take a look at the cross. He did that so that someday he could end all evil and sin without ending us. Can I get an amen? So when I say divine intervention, I'm simply saying the promise Romans 8, which is what? We serve a heavenly father who works for the good in all things for those who love him. And have been called according to his purpose. And if all things includes sometimes senseless things and tragic things, then our faith propels us to go, God, even in that, you will work through it. Even in that. Significant person. Significant task. Divine intervention. So let me ask you a question this morning as we establish a foundation with this series. Is your perspective interruption? Or is it, could it be divine intervention? Interruption. Divine intervention. Instead of asking why and when, the title of this morning's sermon title is Asking Different Questions. What if you and I did this, you guys? And again, I'm just laying a foundation for the next four weeks. Instead of asking why and when, what if we ask this question? God, what? What are you up to? God, what are you up to right here? And here's the amazing truth, you guys. The amazing truth that we'll discover. The amazing truth that we'll discover. And this is something that I have been wrestling with most of my life. And if you're like me, maybe you can relate. Amazing truth we'll discover is this, that God does the most significant, sometimes the most important, and the most deep, life-changing kinds of things during life interruptions. When things are uncomfortable, when things are uneasy, when things are uncertain, then the whole hum, everything's cool, nine to five times of life. And here's the other thing. Not only does God do some of the most significant work in me. Check this out, you guys. God also does some of the most significant work for the kingdom. For the kingdom. For the kingdom. And for the world. And for others during that time in our lives when we're going to life interruption. If you ask me, why is that? I could only look at scripture and see what the scripture has to say. And it is clear. God does the most significant work in me and significant work through me during times of life interruptions than any other time. We're going to look at the story of Joseph. I've never actually done a long series on Joseph. I've alluded to him, who is, by the way, the great-grandson of Abraham, the guy that God chose to be a blessing to the rest of the world. We're going to look at a verse on how this story ends. By the way, Moses spends 15 chapters on Joseph, by far the longest than any other person. Moses apparently thought his story was important. We're going to look at the very end of how this story ends. Look at a couple verses. But here's how the story begins. 17, Joseph is growing up with a passive father. This is next week. In a dysfunctional family that looks all put together on the outside. With the volcanic eruption waiting to happen. His brothers, out of hatred and envy, sell their 17-year-old, second-to-youngest brother, into slavery. And Joseph, for 40 years, 
goes on an interruption. If you're going through a life interruption, perspective. It's not as bad as his. Here's how the story ends. Genesis 50, 19. But Joseph said to them, these are his brothers that he's seeing like 40 years later. Don't be afraid. Can you say the next words with me? Am I in the place of God? Say it with me one more time. Ready? Am I in the place of God? Can I just say this? Almost everything that ails us in our lives is because we put ourselves in the place of God. Do you know why you and I can't forgive somebody? Say it with me. We have placed ourselves in the place. Do you know why you're so worried and anxious about your future? We have put ourselves in the place of God. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God... Intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, we're going to unpack this for the next few weeks. Somehow, in the perfect wisdom of God, and this is so amazing and daunting that sometimes I'm just blown away by it, somehow, in the perfect wisdom of God, God is able to weave everything that happens in our lives, including the interruptions for three things. God is glorified, good is done to us, and kingdom purposes are accomplished. Everything happens, God is glorified. That is, God is made to be big, beautiful, wise, gracious, merciful, amazing God that he is. And the world catches a glimpse of that. Good is done to us. And when I say good is done to us, it simply means that he causes us to become more like Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what matters. We become more like his son. And it results in saving of other lives. God is glorified. I become more and more like Jesus. And kingdom purposes are advanced. So instead of asking why and when, this is how I want to leave you. Ask these two different questions. And I'm telling you right now, These are hard questions to ask. First, say this with me. What do you want to do in me in the midst of this interruption? Instead of going, God, why is this happening to me? Which is natural, totally emotional, understandable. Or when is this going to end, God? Ask, pause, and go, God, what do you want to do in me in the midst of this interruption so my flight is delayed and it's six hours late and I am at the gate and I can go off on the gate agent. Then I go, God, what do you want to do in me? And this literally happened. I hear the voice of God going, let's start there. Let's start with your temper. Let's start with your anger issue. Peter, let's start with how you have had anger issues most of your life. By the way, this isn't, you know, an, this is me sharing with you my real story. Let's start with the fact that you've had anger issues and how your wife has been telling you you have anger issues. But you've been in denial and every time somebody brings it up, you get defensive. Let's start there. God, what do you want to do? Let's keep going. 
Let's talk about the fact that you love to blame other people. Let's talk about the fact that when something goes wrong, you never take responsibility. You blame, 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 blame. It's everybody else's fault except me. Okay, that's where my personal illustration ends, okay? The following is hypothetical. I just want you to know you don't sit there and judge me and go, oh my gosh, he's so messed up. So I have anger issues, and I like to blame people, okay? That's me. God, what do you want me? And here's the other thing. Maybe for some of us, what God will do when you go, God, what do you want to do in me? Is God will go, let's talk about how on Sunday you sing about you are in control, but uh-uh, you are. Let's talk about you give live service to the fact that God is in control. But when life hits the fan, you immediately take control and go, huh? Okay, let's keep going, Peter. Since you asked, you know, what do you want to do in me? Let's talk about the fact that the intensity of your anger and the intensity of your frustration says, maybe I'm not the God of your life. Maybe there's some real other God. God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? Anthony, come on up here. I need you to help, brother. Stand right here. Put your hands out, please. Straight. Okay, both hands. This is my favorite cup at home, so please don't drop it. Hold it, hold it. Okay. Hold it. Both hands, both hands, okay? Don't let, the, don't let the water spill, okay? Whatever you do. Hold it. Hold it. Don't let it spill. No, 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 don't go. Just hold, hold it. Hold it. Why, why, why is the water spilling out? He's not in control, so, which means, you know, it's a shake. Water's not spilling out because he's being shaken. Water is spilling out because there's water in the cup. Well, 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 what, what does that have to do with anything? You know, the anger, the bitterness, the hatred, frustration, worry that comes spilling out of our lives when our lives shake? You think it's because your life is being shaken? It's coming out of you because that stuff is in you. That stuff is inside you and inside me. This doesn't, this doesn't, you know, you know, all all this does, and Anthony, I promise you, all this does, all the interruption and the shaking does, all this does is cause what's really inside of you to come out. Why are you looking at circumstances going, if this would just stop, I wouldn't be so angry. I wouldn't be so bitter. I wouldn't be so worried. Are you kidding me? It's inside of you and me. And all it took was a boyfriend breaking up, a job loss. All it took was uncertainty. And all that stuff in there 
This sermon series is going to be hard and painful at points. You have to choose. Listen, you have to choose. You have to choose. You will either sit there and go, what a stupid illustration. Or you could sit there and go, what is in me? What is in there? Can I put it this way? Nobody. Everybody, look up here for a second, please. You're taking notes, trying to do this. Listen, do you know why I did that exercise? Because nobody in this room has ever learned about their flaws by being told. You have to be shown. Nope. Nobody in this room has learned about their struggles and their sins and faults by being told. You can't go listen to a sermon and read a book and go, all of a sudden, I will no longer be, you know, uh, bitter and angry and hateful. None of us, if, you, if it was that easy to learn, simply by being told, the world would be a beautiful place to live. Nobody in here, your mother has been telling you your flaws all your life. Does it work? No. You know what has to happen? Life experience has to show you what your faults are. Otherwise, you will live the rest of your life never dealing with what is inside. This is not an act of meanness from God. It's an act of rescue to save you from you. How long are you going to continue to live in denial and go, that isn't me. If my circumstances were different, how long? How much longer? Second question. See, y'all, I can't pace myself. I don't know what that means to pace myself. Here I go. I'm pooped out already. And I'm not even done today. I'm almost done. Second question is, it's not just what do you want me, but what do you want to do through me in the midst of this interruption? Because here's the thing you need to get, and here's the thing I need to get, is that the interruptions in our lives isn't just about us. Isn't that good news? That it's about God's kingdom purposes and what God desires to do through us. And that's why it's so absolutely tragic to me. It's so tragic to me when I see men and women in our church going through life interruption and because they're so consumed with why and when, why and when, they're completely missing out on what God wants to do through you. When are you going to get over the self-pity party and realize God's got some things for you to do? Does anybody else find it astounding that the God of the universe allows us to participate in his kingdom work? Can I, can I get an amen? Does anybody else find it astounding that God wants to use us for his kingdom purposes? We get to cooperate with God from bringing life out of death, growth from loss, and testimony out of tragedy. And if you and I would just see through the eyes of faith and see God's hand in it all, you see that God isn't interrupting our lives to kill our joy God's at work to reshape our purposes and see, see, positioning you and me to fulfill something that he asked for us to do that we otherwise could never do. So instead of asking why and when, what if you began to ask God, what do you want to do through me 
Instead of, God, here's what I need done right now. What do you want to do through me in my season of singleness? What do you want to do through me as I experience this loss? What do you want to do through me in these times of uncertainty and transition? What do you want to do through me? And if you pray that, I'm warning you right now, you'll hear these four following words, among others. You'll hear the words yield. You'll hear trust. You'll hear surrender. And you'll hear let go. And you and I will come to realize that when God thought of you, God had a purpose for you. When God thought of you, you an idea in God that God says, I have a purpose for him or her. What an amazing thought. And when we become a Christian, we surrender our lives to Jesus. Listen, surrender our lives to Jesus. Quickly, some of us come to realize like, that's not what I thought for me. Or for some of us, it is what God wanted us to do. But listen, the timing of it is not where God would have us. If you're one of those people that's in an interruption because of a timing thing, like it's not happening quickly enough, I want you to know today that time is not an issue for God. Joel 2 says, God will restore your ears and you will never be put to shame. I'm going to say it again. God, for anybody here this morning who's going, God, this interruption is so long. God, when? God, when? God, when? Why? I want, you to t- I want you to know right now, Joel 2 says, God will restore your ears and you will never be put to shame. You know what that means? That means none of this thing is ever wasted in God's economy. We love that about God. And God says, this time, preparation, repositioning, training, equipping. So you and I have a choice. Am I going to surrender? Am I going to yield? Am I going to trust? We could choose obedience over disobedience. We could choose (laughs) surrender or resistance. But choosing either of these cannot be dependent on your ability to understand what God has for you. You hear what I'm saying? Understanding what God has for us in our finite minds is not a prerequisite for obedience. You don't sit there and go, as long as I understand, uh uh-uh. God says, my word and my promises ought to be enough. Last, so put it all together. Here's a dangerous prayer, but a prayer that you and I should be asking every single day, and that is this, God, how will you be glorified in the midst of this interruption? God, how will you be glorified? And glorified is a big church word that simply means, God, how will people come to know how beautiful, how wise, how amazing, how gracious, how merciful, how powerful, how just you are? Because I don't know everything, but I know this. And everything that happens in my life, check this out. God will be glorified. I will become more and more like Jesus. And God's kingdom will be advanced. One last thing before I'm done, and that is this. If you are going through a life interruption, and there are folks in our church going through a major life interruption, I have one more thing that I want to share with you. And we're going to now slowly get into the book of Genesis. So where we pick up right now before I show you is Joseph has been sold, again, betrayed by his brothers, beaten, thrown into a pit, left for dead. They decide, let's make some money, sell him into slavery. And when we pick up the story in Genesis 39, Joseph has been sold as a slave. Pick up the story. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Say the following words with me. And the Lord was with Joseph. No, 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 no. 
That's not how God works, we think. See, here's how I picture God being with someone. You don't get betrayed. Here's how I picture God being with someone. You don't get beaten. You don't get thrown into a pit and you serve them. And yet, God was what? Say it with me. With. Then Joseph rises in the ranks, becomes the second most powerful person in that household. Then he's tempted. Remember what I said earlier? You are more temptable when you're going through a transition than at any other time. His master's wife takes notice of him. And she, of course, tempts him. And Joseph, in that moment, has a decision. I've been through so much. Forget about my character. I deserve this one. I've been through so much. God, where will you want? Screw you. Do you know what Joseph does? Some of you know the story. He holds on to his character and integrity. He says, no. She screams for help. Then she accuses Joseph of rape. In verse 20, here's what happens to Joseph. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. But while Joseph was in the prison, say with me, the Lord was with And we begin to gain insights about life interruptions. You ready? We may not know why. We might not know how long. But we never have to ask where God is. Where is God? Say with me. Where is God? With you. See, if this was your story... It might go something like this. If this was your story, you're sitting here this morning, your story might go. And it was a young couple that looked forward to getting married. And they looked forward to starting a family. She got a pregnancy test. And she was excited about finally starting this family. And then a few weeks later, she tragically miscarried. And yet, say the following words with me. The Lord, say with me, was with her. She was the person that he dreamt about getting married to. But a few years into it, he finds out that she was unfaithful. And they go through a painful divorce. And now he's a single dad. Asking God where... Where are you? And the Lord, say with me, was with him. Pancreatic cancer. What? He was the healthiest man I'd ever known. What? And within a month, within a month, And she's left wondering, God, if you are good, if you are good, where are you? And the Lord was, say with me, with her. See, 2,000 years after this, when God decided to carry on the Messianic line and send a Savior to the line of Joseph, 
Here's what we find in Matthew chapter 1. The Lord, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God. You might not know why. I might not know when. This side of heaven. But you'll never, ever have to wonder. God, where are you? Let's pray together. challenge that I want to leave you with this morning and Cece I think I'm just going to pray for them and, 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 and bless them to go and then you guys could sing over as they leave okay the thing that I want to leave you with this morning before you rush on out of here to the next thing is of all the things that I could have chosen to highlight at the end I want to ask you that question of what is it that God might want to do in you? God, what do you want to do in me? You've never asked that question, ever. And I want you to spend it just even the next minute or so. Remember that you pray to Heavenly Father who has given His Son. God, what, what do you want to do in me? What's, what's inside? What are the toxic, dangerous, if left unattended? What, what is inside me? That comes spilling out anytime something happens. God, what is that? And can you be rigorously honest this morning and, and, and courageously pray that prayer? God, what do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? What do you want to do in me? And through me, right here and right now. How could I trust him? He is with you. We all stand from where you are right now. And I want to pray this prayer, a blessing, benediction over you. I implore you. I want to implore you. We do this every Sunday. If you need prayer, come all the way up to the front where the cross is. 
and especially today. If the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you and penetrated your heart and has brought up things that lie dormant maybe for weeks and months or years, do not just say whatever. Do something about it today, beginning with praying with and for someone. Father, as we begin this journey, and I sense heaviness, and I sense, God, for some of us, deep, deep, painful wounds, God. It's like scab has been ripped open. But I pray that the scab that's ripped open will provide opportunities for true healing and restoration to take place. For those of us that have been living in denial, refusing to be honest with what is inside, help us this morning to do business with you. We begin this journey knowing that we cannot do this without you. We need you, Holy Spirit, to remind us that you walk with us every step of the way, that you will not abandon us nor forsake us, and that you have truly our good in mind. So men and women of new community, be bold and courageous for our Lord God is with you. Do not be afraid. He is in charge of this journey and he walks with you. Live as sent people knowing that God wants to work in you and through you. Be a visible testimony of his kingdom here on earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Have a great rest of Sunday, church.